Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. Thank you so much for subscribing to this channel. Please make sure that you like the video you've just watched and consider making a contribution on our app or on our website. It's really easy to do. And thank you in advance for that support. It does make a difference. So we've been exploring together Eric Butterworth's book, The Creative Life. And this is, has been a journey of taking a look metaphysically and mystically at the story of creation, the seven-day story of creation in the book of Genesis. And we've been looking day by day, mystically and metaphysically, at what those days represent and what sort of map they lay out for us in terms of our own personal creative process. And one of the things that Eric writes about is the idea that the creation story didn't just happen then. Creation is the experience of God moving through each and every one of us. So it's a very personal experience, a very personal thing. And now we have to remember that this was an allegory. It's not a statement of historical fact but a mystical representation of this process of creativity that we can use in our own lives. And so when we have a goal or a dream or something new and different, and usually that means something that, that we think is going to be better for us or for our families or for our world, we need to be engaged in this process of creativity of creativity. And there are some milestones or some steps that we can use more effectively to help us be more successful in that creation. And so just a very quick review. We're now into day five of the creation story, but the first day we were told, let there be light. And that represents this idea of divine illumination that we experience through prayer divine illumination that we experience through prayer. And in the second day, we were told, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and, the, and God called the firmament heaven. And this is the idea of expansion. This is the idea, mystically, that it is faith, our faith, that moves us into this expansive, creative realm. And then in the third day, let the waters be gathered together and the dry land appear. And mystically, metaphysically, this is referring to the idea that, all right, we've had this divine illumination and we're stepping into this energy of faith and there's an idea that's beginning to take shape in our minds. It's, it's like something coming out of the fog. Have you ever driven through the fog and then all of a sudden the fog starts to lift and you can see things more clearly? It's a little bit like that process. And then uh, last week we talked about the fourth day of creation. Let there be lights in the heavens to, to divide the day and the night. And we have the sun and we have the moon. And Eric suggests that this is a metaphysical, symbolic way of speaking to us of the idea of an awakening of understanding and the application of will, an awakening of understanding. And we explored understanding what? Understanding more of ourselves. Understanding that though we live in these physical forms, we are much more than these physical forms. That we are literally co-creative with spirit itself. And that we need to get up off our 
meditation chairs. We need to move away from our affirmations, taking them with us, but applying some will. And it's not the will of determination, of gritted teeth, of trying to force something to happen, but rather a willingness, an allowingness. Any of you who have ever created a work of art know that you get in your own way, right? If you're trying to force something to happen. I think of the art of painting. I think of the art of calligraphy, that there's got to be the fluid movement, right, for something beautiful to, to emerge. And this is the idea of willingness, this idea of, of a cooperative spirit with the, the flow of energy. And so now we're to the fifth day. And on the fifth day, the story goes, the allegory goes, and God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. What do you think the ancients were trying to describe? They were probably trying to get their, their heads wrapped around this idea of we've got these magnificent bodies of water, these oceans, these seas that are filled with swarming creatures, right? But what does that have to do with us metaphysically? And what does that have to do with us with the creative process? Eric suggests that this fifth day of creation represents the creative process evolving out of chaos. Let me say that again. That this fifth day, this swarming of swarming creatures, represents the idea of the creative process evolving out of chaos. How many of you have ever been involved in a creative process and you can think back in the journey of that creativity, and you saw that it, it kind of started messy. Raise your hand. Yeah, kind of starts messy. Now, this is not a license for people just to be messy in their lives. This is not what I'm speaking about, and this is not what Eric is speaking about. But it is pointing to the process of creation itself, has some messiness to it. But the end result is something good, something somewhat concrete, somewhat tangible, has resulted from the creative process. So it's not like just be messy everywhere in your life and call it creativity. There's got to be a point where it kind of comes together and you go, ta-da, you know, here it is. I wrote this to myself uh, this morning, as a matter of fact. The creative process is seldom neat and tidy or linear. It's usually messy. Lift your vision from the messy parts to look for the emerging pattern of the new trying to come through. Let me repeat that. The creative process is seldom neat and tidy or linear. It's usually messy. Lift your vision from the messy parts to look for the emerging pattern of the new trying to come through. So what is the symbology of the water? What is the symbology of the swarms of swarming creatures? Water is often mystically and metaphysically used to represent two general things to represent the mind, and to represent energy. 
to represent the mind, not, not our brain, which is kind of confined, right? But our mind, which is expansive. Our mind, which has potential. Our mind, which has capacities that we've not exhausted by any stretch of the imagination. And it represents this idea also of, of energy. Science suggests that everything is energy, just energy vibrating at different frequencies. The Apostle Paul talked about the idea of we live, move, and have our being in God. To me, that is another way of saying I, you, we live, move, and have our being in this vast pool, this limitless pool of energy. And it is our use of our minds in a deliberate way that allows us to kind of pull on this creative one mind and give expression to it in our lives, directed, if you will, to that which we are wanting to create in our lives. He says, energy always gets synchronized with the frequency of like kind. Energy always gets, gets um, synchronized with a frequency of like kind. Butterworth writes, everything is energy moving at different frequencies, and that energy always gets synchronized with a frequency of like kind. Your thoughts, your ideas are energy. Infinite mind everywhere present is the highest frequency of energy in which all things exist as complete. When you see the creative process clearly, your ideas will get synchronized with energy of the same frequency, multiplying in like kind. This is the swarming process. It's like there's this chaos of ideas, this flowing of creativity and ideas, but eventually there's a coalescing of it. There, eventually there's a pulling together of similar ideas, of like ideas, coalescing into something more specific, more deliberate, more concrete. I read to you an earlier statement from Dorothy Parker, creativity is a wild mind and a disciplined eye. The wild mind, the mind that is expansive, that taps into the one mind, the infinite mind, but the eye that is disciplined, that can pull from that something more specific to say, ah, this is how the pattern is emerging. This is what these various swarming parts are wanting to come together to be in my life. Think of your own process when you set out to create something or you set out toward a goal. You probably have a lot of different thoughts and ideas swarming in your mind eventually, right? And sometimes that can almost be nerve-wracking. It's like you want to get very specific. But at the beginning, it's important to keep the mind open and expansive and let the various ideas and possibilities and images and thoughts all swarm around. This is why it can feel a bit chaotic, a bit confusing, a bit crazy, a bit messy. But in the permission giving of our approach, in our allowing this energy to kind of swirl and move and have some sort of life of its own, 
we begin to be more cooperative with the divine flow and we begin to make room for something new, something that we really haven't completely thought of before, to emerge. Butterworth says, it's the nature of mind for an idea to attract swarms of supportive and expansive thoughts. It's the nature of mind. It's the way our minds work. For an idea, when we have an idea, to attract swarms of supportive and expansive thoughts. And so we begin to have this dry land, going back to day three, this dry land image emerge. It starts to take shape. And we begin to start to understand a bit of how it might all work together. But then there are more and more ideas that we begin to have swirling in our mind. And it's almost like at the moment that we feel like we want to concentrate, the ideas keep coming in as possibilities. And Butterworth suggests, and I think he's right about this, that it's important to stay in that soup. That's my word. He didn't use the word soup. But it's important to stay in that process. And for people who are like me, who are a little more, what's the word I want to say? I could say a lot of things. I, I like things neat and tidy. I like to complete things, and sometimes maybe a little too soon. And so if you tend to be that way, you, like me, might tend to not be willing to stay in the messiness of that for a while because you just want to put a bow on it and have it nice and done, right? But he's suggesting that really in order for something even more magical, if you will, more creative, if you will, than you, what you might have originally thought of to come forth, you might have to stay in that messiness a little bit longer. And so it's not about rushing through. It's about being comfortable with that wild swarming. Can you relate to what he's describing here? Can you see yourself at all in, in the process, right? And you know, I, I think of a statement I heard, I think it was from Dr. Roger Teal at Mile High Church in Denver years ago. He said, just think about birth. Think about natural physical birth. It's really messy, right? It is. Eventually, out of that messiness comes something beautiful, something beautiful. And so it's, I think, a, an important and helpful idea to hold on to when we find ourselves kind of being assaulted with this swarming of ideas to be patient and to let the swarming happen. Patrick McCormick said, if you look hard enough, chaos turns into order the way letters turn into words that something really is wanting to emerge. Quite some time ago, when I was really into reading much more about quantum physics and the new science and the new biology, I remember reading this book by Mick Wheatley. I can highly recommend it. It's still in print. The title of the book is Leadership, <clears throat> excuse me, Leadership and the New Science. And she's writing from, a, pulling from a scientific background but writing to business leaders and leaders of all sorts, pulling upon science and the application of science as a way of looking at an approach to, to leadership and business. She writes this, to see how chaotic processes reveal the order inherent in a system requires that we shift our vision from the parts to the whole. Sidebar here from the swarming creatures in the sea 
from the many ideas floating in our mind to pull back from the parts to the whole, to see how chaotic processes reveal the order inherent in a system requires that we shift our vision from the parts to the whole. Wholeness is what rushes in under the guise of chaos whenever scientists try to separate and measure dynamical systems as if they were composed of parts. The strange attractors that form on our screens are the shape of wholeness. When we concentrate on individual moments or fragments of experience, we see only chaos. But if we stand back and look at what is taking shape, we see order. Order always displays itself as patterns that develop over time. Order always displays itself as patterns that develop over time. As I was putting this lesson together, I was thinking about a process I have used and fallen back on from time to time. In fact, I'm working with a bunch of ideas right now in terms of how to better engage our very substantial YouTube audience with our teachings and with our community. And so I'm I'm learning a lot or trying to learn a lot about YouTube and how YouTube interacts with our website and how that interacts with Facebook and all of these things that's very mind-boggling and, and, and new to me. And as I'm trying to pull these different ideas and threads of relationships and connections together, I've been using a technique that fits with this creative process, the, the chaotic part of the creative process. And it's a practice called clustering. And there are different apps and programs that you can use on your tablets and your computers and your phones, or just with pencil and paper. And essentially, it is that you start with an idea, or maybe a series of ideas that all fall under a particular category of something you're trying to create. And you put them in a bubble. You know, you draw a circle around it, right? And it's a, 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 an idea, a cluster of an idea. But then you let it percolate, and you begin to see and think of other things related to that one clustered idea. And you start to create all of these branches. It looks pretty messy on paper, even with the nice apps. It can get pretty messy. But it is a way to move out of the linear aspect of our minds and see something in a bigger, broader more limitless picture. And something interesting happens when we do that. I think the interesting thing that happens is while we use our cognitive minds to write this stuff down and to, to connect all of these different thoughts and swarming ideas, that as we're engaged in that process, I believe that there's a co-creative spirit going on between us and God, or whatever you want to call that infinite presence, that then almost steps in in a way that helps to fill in gaps or make clearer connections. And soon a picture begins to emerge and an understanding begins to emerge that's beyond what we could have figured out all on our own. Does that make sense to you? 
Raise your hand if you've felt something like that. You may not have used the words that I use, but right? And so these, it's interesting that these can be looked at as very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Non-spiritual tools, but I think they're very spiritual. And I do because I believe that the whole creative process is one of the things that sets us apart from other species. And the whole creative process is what allows us to continue to evolve what it is, not just to be ourselves, but what it is to be a human being, what it is to, to have incarnated in this, in this lifetime. That just as our bodies over the millennial have evolved into how we present as a human species today, there is much in, in the new science that suggests that the same is happening in our brains and in consciousness. And so when you and I are engaged in more of the nitty-gritty of the creative process in our personal lives, and we go about it in a co-creative energy, relying not just on our own great minds and talents, but inviting in this, the energy of the infinite mind, I think we are helping to elevate and lift the vibration of consciousness itself. And it is out of this realm, I believe, of creativity that we need to approach not just the things that you and I want to bring about in our lives personally, but it's this kind of creativity and partnership with the divine that's going to allow us to solve the very real problems that exist in our world today, whether we're talking about environmental problems or conflict, or racial problems, that we can't solve them in the same way they were initially thought of and created, right? So any time that you and I engage in a personal creative process towards something meaningful and important to us, we have a chance to grow in that experience spiritually. And that's a really, 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 really good thing. And so in closing, I want to encourage you to really engage with creativity in your own life. I, I think it almost doesn't matter what form it takes. For some of you, and I, I keep looking over, over at you, Ren, because I admire your painting talent, right? Some of you, it's going to be picking up that paintbrush. Vince, it may be you writing a piece, piece of music. Natalie, it may be you composing. I don't know what your thing is, but whatever it is, love it. Get creative with it. Know that you have something to bring to it that nobody else has. And play with it. Let it be a little messy. Don't keep it messy forever, but let it be messy. Let the ideas percolate. Invite your understanding of God to, to work with you, to help you connect those funny swarming creatures and those funny ideas and dots and allow a beautiful picture to emerge. It can be a lot of fun for you. And who knows what we could be creating together that could make a really big and important difference in the life of someone else and maybe in our world itself. So in closing, the creative process is seldom neat and tidy or linear. It's usually messy. Lift your vision from the messy parts to look for the emerging pattern of the new trying to come through. Namaste.